Hey, welcome back to the Agnes London podcast. I'm your host, Sophie, and this week I'm chatting to Michaela Loach. As well as studying medicine, Michaela is a climate activist and writer who writes about a wide range of topics, including refugee rights, system change and intersectional activism. In this episode, we talk about how Michaela found her voice, activism during these times of social distancing and her future plans for her career. I gained a lot of insight from this episode and I hope you will too. Thank you very much, Michaela, for agreeing to come on my podcast. No worries, I'm very excited. No, I like chatting, so I'm always happy to chat about stuff and especially <laughs> all of these kind of things. Yeah, you look like you've had a really busy week, well, from Instagram anyway, chatting on other people's stories and things like that. Yeah, it, I think this is being Fashion Revolution Week and Earth Day happening in this week. It's just been a bit of a wild week of trying to do a lot of things at the same time, but we managed to make it through it and I think it was quite good, so I enjoyed it. Yeah, that's good. I know I was saying the other day, like from the looks of my Instagram, you'd think Earth Day was a national holiday. (laughs) Yeah, literally everyone was doing a post about something to do with Earth Day. I think a lot of people felt quite a lot of pressure to post as well. I don't know. And to talk about something. It is weird. Instagram's a weird bubble of, yeah, it's a different world. (laughs) Yeah, it really is. It really is. And especially as a brand as well. I definitely feel that like pressure that it's something I have to acknowledge. Mm, mm. yeah like I was even when I before I posted anything I was thinking like what actually is Earth Day like compared to another day like what what I, I was trying to think of something of substance to say <laughs> on it but um I ended up just doing my usual spiel about um making sure that we look at system change rather than just lifestyle change but I don't know it's I think it is it, Instagram is kind of weird in the way that I do feel like these random days are put up. I mean, Earth Day isn't as random, but there would be some one day suddenly it would be like, oh, it's National Don't like, Eat Fish Day or something. Yeah, but like it's National Pizza Day. It. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, how do, pe- do people have a calendar to find out all these different things? Like, where does this happen? I don't know. It's on it. I don't know. It's so weird, isn't it? It must be. This must be mm-hmm. how like Valentine's Day started. It's like, oh, yeah, we we'll just yeah, add sure. another day to the calendar and people can buy cards <laughs> for it. Yeah. so let's actually start chatting about um you and your journey so first of all I was hoping you could tell us a bit about what sparked your interest in um the topics that you talk about now so like sustainability ethical living um refugee rights and intersectional activism or or which came first because that's a lot yeah so that's it kind of all came at a similar time I guess I think activism came I mean acknowledging that what I was doing was activism came like a bit along like later down the line but I it all started like I went vegan when I was like 16 so like quite a long time ago and at that time that's when I started to realize that my lifestyle choices were linked to a lot of different social issues and social justice issues and I started then I boycotted fast fashion and things like that so I was working out a lot of I was kind of working out how our supply chains and those kind of things were linked to social justice issues that I really cared about and how it was linked to issues of race that I cared about and issues of social inequality and economic inequality and things that I really cared about. And then parallel to that, um, I was involved with um, refugee rights activism after um, seeing the photo that I think is quite iconic that everyone saw of the young boy um, named Alan Kurdi, who's a Syrian boy whose body was washed up on the shores of a beach in Turkey. And that was a really moving um experience I think for the whole of the UK and mm-hmm. maybe around the world as well as to how big the refugee crisis like is and the kind of the how vulnerable people are but also like how we need to really dramatically create change within our society to protect these people but also to like make sure that these situations aren't happening and people aren't being displaced um in the same way so I got involved with the refugee rights activism and what like volunteered in Calais quite a bit and I still go there once like once or twice a year um to where if people don't know um Calais is on the border of the UK and France and mm-hmm. there's basically a lot of refugees that are like displaced people who are currently there um I say a lot but compared to the rest of Europe it's very very small numbers and compared to like the rest of the world for how many displaced people there are it's like a very 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 small numbers there are like a few hundred people there um but the conditions that they're living in are really dire and it's just really sad like it's a complete failure of the UK government and the French government so basically I feel like I'm just I'm blabbering but um, 
I like got really involved in refugee rights activism and I had lifestyle things going on at the same time and I didn't see how they were connected and I don't remember the exact day or the time but at some point I realized that the climate crisis was so linked to the like refugee rights crisis um and that through climate a lens of climate justice you could like unite all of these different issues together and tackle them together and that's kind of how I ended up getting into climate activism was through realizing how interconnected all these issues are. Mm. Did you find going to Calais and like experiencing it firsthand, did you find that's kind of helped you with um, your work and your writing and your speaking as well? I definitely think that it's, um, yeah, I, I definitely think that going to Calais has like changed me a lot as a person. Like every time I go, I feel like I learn a lot, mostly like learn a lot from the people who are there and who have spent so many, much time like working there because mm. so basically how like if if anyone's interested in going volunteering in Calais they always need people to go and volunteer like obviously when borders open again and things like that but um like it's a really really like important place for us to go and help I think so often people fly halfway across the world to go and volunteer but you could, there are so many issues that are right on our doorstep that where people need help and I think being in Calais and like learning from a lot of people who've like worked there they're the people who showed me what an activist was and like how you could be an activist because they were all just like completely normal people who had just seen an issue and were like you know what rather than just like complaining about it or rather than just like feeling sad about it I'm going to go and do something and I'm going to like I'm not going to wait for governments or big big organizations to be involved like I can I can, I'm empowered enough that I can go and help and I can use and a lot of these people were like re- recognize their privilege and you were using their privilege to help other people um but in a way that was like so grassroots and so inspiring because I think I'd only ever seen big organizations doing things and I hadn't seen grassroots activism in the same way. So I d- think it def- definitely like made me realize that we have a lot of power as individuals to create change and we don't have to wait for these big organizations or governments to get involved. Mm. Yeah, definitely. So what advice would you give people that have maybe like been thinking about it or want to do more who are maybe thinking that they'd like to go over to Calais and help out. Like I imagine the first time you went over, it must've been quite a daunting experience. Yeah, I remember thinking that I had no idea how people, I saw that people had gone and volunteered and I was like, I don't know how you did that. Like, how does how does one go about organizing that? Um, I actually wrote a whole blog, like kind of breaking a lot of these questions down, um, which is on my blog, which is just michaelagraceloach.wordpress.com. But also um, if you just look at um, Choose Love's website, so help refugees, website they have so many like so much information there about different organizations that are working there and um if you go through them then they can refer you to other organizations that need help basically i think it seems a lot more daunting than when you actually get there when you get there it's so chill everyone is needed and everyone's welcome and everyone's like actually helpful which Mm. i think is really lovely because i think sometimes you can want to help and then you actually go there and you feel like you're a bit of a spare part that's not really i don't know you feel like you're not really that necessary but a lot of the work that like when I'm there, I'm just folding clothes or chopping wood or chopping onions for food. Like it's very practical work, mm. but it's actually really easy to do. And anyone can do something there. And there's so much, it's like a really great community. So I would just say like, look at Help Refugees or um, Indigo Volunteers and there's loads of information there and it's super easy and super fun. Yeah. So even if you maybe think that you don't have skills that would be useful, it sounds like they can put you to work helping out on something Mm. yeah honestly I don't think you need any skills (laughs) to go like because there are so many different jobs that are needed there and I think it's one place where I think so so often especially when it comes to volunteering and stuff people will go and do a job they're not qualified to do like for example go off to a sub-Saharan African country and teach a like a class a class of children who need an actual qualified teacher but Mm. in this this isn't this is an example where you don't need skills because anyone can like do something there there's there'll be something for everyone that's that you'll generally be helpful to do yeah that's good to know thank you um so it sounds like you said you were 16 when you went vegan so it sounds like you mm-hmm. started like quite, you were quite young when you were mm. you know looking into these issues um and I was wondering how you found the confidence to talk about these issues you cared about and even like you know being quite young like how you found the confidence to act on them so I definitely think it was a gradual journey. I also think I've grown a lot from when I was 16 and first went vegan. I was that angry vegan for a long time and people did not enjoy talking to me. Um, I was talking to one of my old friends the other day actually and he was like, wow, you really like 
he's like you really found your voice and I thought felt like that was a really nice thing for him to say and also I think it was very true because I think it's a journey with how to talk about these different things I think the first thing is like just try talking about it and give it a go even to your the people who are directly around you but in everything that you're doing make sure that you're not being I don't know I think I, I would say just make the mistakes and you'll learn from them because I made loads of mistakes I was really preachy I would say like try not to be super preachy try rem- to remember that you had those behaviors really really recently so I think one thing that I really keep in my mind is like don't cancel people for behaviors that you've just unlearned yourself like give them the opportunity to change as well um or just to or also just I don't know don't focus too much on changing everyone around you because you can't really change them but the confidence wise thing I think I for me if I'm passionate about something then I will talk about it a lot but I think that's just my personality type um that like for me that confidence kind of is fueled by passion but also it's refined over time I think that through making a lot of mistakes but also through just like going for it and failing a lot and like talking about things in a way that wasn't ideal and just working things out I've learned a lot more on how to talk about these things but especially recently the the main how I've improved the most in the in like kind of recent times is just by listening and not talking all the time so I would say like give it a go do try and talk about things so maybe even if it's not talking like maybe it's writing open up a google doc and just have your like stream of thoughts about this kind of issue that you really care about and then over time you can like keep writing about the same thing and and that will refine itself over time and you'll get good practice at just having done it um but also look at people who are doing it well and think how can how can I learn from what they've done and that's kind of kind of how I've worked stuff out yeah (laughs) I feel like I'm not making too much sense here (laughs) no I think that makes perfect sense I think that's like a lot of like new skills in life that we want to learn like you can't expect to start off and be perfect straight away you do have to work at it um and I think I know obviously it's quite scary to to put ourselves out there and to potentially fail in these in like this day and age because of Mm -hmm. like social media and the internet you know Mm. it's um and especially at the moment like that's that's the main way that we interact with people Mm. yeah I think it's it's difficult because I think failing is so essential to growth like it's if you're not gonna if you never put yourself out there and if you never fail then you're not really going to grow in the same way if we if you don't kind of take the risks of talking about things the first time um but it is also really scary because yeah because now there's almost like a record of everything we've ever done (laughs) online and Mm. sometimes I like I worry about that like I'm going to be a doctor in three years and I worry sometimes about like because I've talked about a lot of things online and I'm thinking my patients will be able to search me up (laughs) quite easily um (laughs) and like will have preconceived ideas about me treating them as a patient so I think yeah there's definitely like a social media does make everything a lot more difficult in some ways but it also makes it easier to to communicate to a wider audience about things as well so there are definitely pros and cons definitely and I guess if you want to if you want to give something a go on a smaller scale you know you you can always start writing like a blog post and people Mm. may may never even look at it but you can get that practice in Mm, I actually started I had a blog that um when I first went like a year after I went vegan I think I started my blog which I think is quite a good place to start because the only people that are going to read it are people who actually want to read your writing and actually care Mm. enough to read it so it's a good place to start to if you're quite nervous because not everyone's going to read it you're not having to post it on your Facebook feed you're not having to post it on your Instagram feed um but you're still getting that time to practice and refine how to talk about things so I think it's a good place to start yeah yeah definitely because you write for quite a lot of different platforms at the moment don't you I know you contribute to EcoAge and a few others Mm. did having that blog in place help you when it came to building those relationships yeah definitely so my my first kind of big article that I did was for Lucy and Yak and in they found they found I'd worked with them before on Instagram but they contacted me through my blog and I think it's because I had like some examples of my writing in the past as well that they could look at before but also I think it just gave me the time to practice Mm. um and I think that's the main thing I would say is like a blog is really helpful for especially if you want want to do writing I think the first thing you need to do is write and just write a lot and a lot some of it's going to be bad but some of it might be good and it will develop itself over time and especially if you want to start writing about these different things so if you're really passionate about writing then writing on Instagram and writing on your blog is really good I find that Instagram is a really good 
kind of place for me to practice writing because it, you're forced to fit it in between in this like small amount of words and therefore you're you are forced to refine it more and more and you're you can't blab on as much as you might be able to if you were just like writing with no limits at all so I think that like yeah that, that's kind of how I started writing for places outside of my blog was just main, mainly from Instagram but also because I had that practice from my blog before and had that writing up there before as well yeah instant yeah I find that I really have to think about like planning the Instagram caption is literally like writing a blog post it takes yeah so much effort sometimes I just want to put a picture mm. up with an emoji as the caption and be done with it because <laughs> yeah no I feel that a lot yeah I I feel like I I wish I could I wish I could be just I don't know post a photo and put an emoji as a caption but then every time I try and write a short caption it ends up just being so long um yeah but I it's, it's quite fun though as well I think Instagram captions can be really like a fun way to practice writing and communicating and stuff yeah so I've been following you for probably like over a year now um quite a while and you have definitely uh, you know your I mean your Instagram was incredible to begin with and I definitely learned a lot from it but um, obviously you have quite a large following now and um, I'm seeing you popping up all over the place. So obviously <laughs> your message is getting out there and people are obviously really interested in what you have to say. I think it's weird because, yeah, I remember because we met um, almost a year ago or maybe less than a year ago. Yeah, I think it was um, in August because yeah. you came to my first workshop. Okay. Yeah, it was. I really enjoyed that. That was so much fun. And I feel like I've grown so much in such a short space of time but also like my following grew very quickly because of a lot of different press things that happened kind of one after the other and Instagram like featuring me on their account meant that I think I I also think that people legitimize your voice a lot more when you have more followers which I think is a bit silly one thing Mm -hmm. I've realized especially since gaining I don't know I gained like 20,000 followers in two weeks which is ridiculous Um, yeah (laughs) um and but one thing that I've realized is that people seem, I don't know, people act as if you're different when you have a few more followers. And I'm like, I'm saying the exact same things I've been saying for months, <laughs> but there just happens to There's be a like, few more ears listening. Yeah. 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 And so I think the one thing that has definitely taught me is, I know this might sound a bit silly, but like now when I look at accounts, I just don't, I try not to look at how many followers they have at all mm. and just look at what they're saying, what they're writing, because there are so many people, especially like people who, are like marginalized people or like activists who might not get the, enough airtime who are saying really important things, but people just don't legitimize them because they don't have enough followers. Um, I would say to people, like, make sure that you are following people who don't have that many followers and who might be talking about something that you might have not like heard about that much because that's really important too. But also I do think that like my voice has developed a lot over the last year like a quite dramatic amount but also the kind of things I talk about has changed a lot over the last year Mm. and I found that like maybe this time last year I talk more about lifestyle things but I think I was using my Instagram to talk about things I thought people wanted to hear rather than the things I actually wanted to say and I think that happens quite a lot that we especially within this like bubble of Instagram sustainability people I don't even know what what this bubble is but (laughs) it's definitely a bubble um we can all start talking about the same stuff um, and kind of forget that like we need a lot of different voices and we need people to talk about their own lived experiences if we actually want to create like a world that has climate justice because climate justice like it needs to include participation from all different types of people so I found that I don't know in the last year I've gained a lot more confidence in talking about issues of race and issues that I've experienced especially around like racism within the climate movement or outside of the climate movement and how that intersects with stability and all these different things and I think that that's where I found my voice more because I'm speaking from myself rather than speaking from what other people would want me to say yeah kind of yeah yeah that does you have like a much more authentic voice as well if you're talking about issues you want to talk about yeah. yeah Yeah, definitely. But I think everyone should everyone should be like should do that. I don't know. I think the accounts that I like the most and the people who I find or who I respect those on Instagram and whose writing I really love is other people who are just speaking from their own experience and like who are really authentic in what they're saying and who take risks in what they're saying as well. I don't mean like saying something problematic. I mean like taking risks in, within vulnerability of of like expressing their own experience. I find that really engaging and inspiring and that really like changes my perception of the world as well because I'm kind of getting insight into someone else's 
Yeah. I heard you saying the other day that everything you've learned comes from listening 90% of the time. So, and this kind of relates to what you were just saying as well. Like, who should we be listening Mm. to? Like, who are those accounts that we should be following that we can Mm. learn more about other issues and expand Mm. our kind of like our little bubbles that we're all living in? Mm. Um, So I think the listening 90% of the time has definitely come from being part of climate activism groups like in in person or I mean over zoom or now it seems but um I think I've learned most from people who actually aren't on Instagram so mm-hmm. that maybe this isn't that helpful but I would say to people if you do have a, a local group it doesn't have to be a climate activism group maybe it's a mutual aid group or refugee rights activism group or your local food bank or something um there'll be so many people there that have so much knowledge and so much insight and who will have been doing activism for a lot longer and and also in, in like a much less glamorous way than people who talk about it on Instagram um and those are the people that I've learned the most from especially like people who I met in Cali as well and from just like I remember when I first went to my first meeting at, um in a climate activism group I had no idea what people were talking about oh my gosh I was like I don't know what all these words mean what all these terms mean and so I just spent a lot of time just like listening to what these people were saying, listening to their insights. And I still like spend so much time like listening to people who've been doing this for a lot longer than me. Um, and that's why I really say to people, but I think when it comes to Instagram, follow people who aren't like you. So who aren't in the same socioeconomic bracket as you, who aren't the same race as you, who like aren't the same gender as you. Like, I'd, like I think that especially, especially like focus on like marginalized groups. I think that if we don't get outside of our own bubble of people that we already spend time with we're not really going to be able to understand the world as a whole or we're not going to be able to understand solutions to the issues in the world if we're not listening to especially if we're not listening to people who are affected the most because especially when it comes to the climate crisis or like pretty much any issue in the world it affects marginalized people the most so the people who are the most vulnerable in society are the ones who affected are affected the most and if we're not listening to their stories from them rather than their stories being relayed from other people then we aren't really going to be able to create climate justice or we're not going to be able to create a just society so i would say like folk, follow people who aren't like you who have really different like just follow disabled people follow like marginalized people in those different ways and learn from them because i've learned from so many people so like especially people that i can think of at the top of my head like i've really learned loads from Ajababa. i've learned loads from um nina tame on instagram as well um I've learned loads from Kenny Ethan Jones as well I'm trying to think of people but these are the ones <laughs> off the top of my head people who ha- who have really different experiences from me um I mean me and Arja maybe have some more similar experiences but I mean but communicate like and who've chosen to communicate their experience as well because being a marginalized person doesn't mean you have to be an activist it doesn't mean you have to communicate your oppression to other people but there are people who've chosen to do that and like supporting their work and listening to their work is so important mm yeah I think that's so important um and obviously like you were saying like those are the only people that we can really like understand their stories from not kind of being relayed through um Mm. someone else and someone else's kind of interpretation of their stories yeah exactly and too often I think like especially historically um stories of black and brown people have been told through the lens of the white man who's because scholarship and academia especially um has basically been constructed under like the white male gaze and therefore if we aren't actually reaching out to those peoples and those communities themselves like what we've been taught from society and what we've been taught from our schooling and different things we won't we won't be able to really properly unlearn things that Mm. we've been taught through the gaze of patriarchy and white supremacy and if we're going to dismantle these different systems that are oppressive we need to make sure that we're talking to the people that the systems oppress yeah Mm. yeah definitely definitely um so you have a lot going on with studying um (laughs) studying medicine and breaking down these uh these systems (laughs) so how do you look after yourself and you know make sure that you are you have what you need and you're not suffering or getting burnt out so you can carry on to do such fantastic work um, I, 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 I'm going to be completely honest. I can be really bad at this. And this is why I think it's really important that like, I didn't, that 
we talk about burnout and these different things a lot because it can be really easy to neglect yourself and I think that I found there have been so many times where I've just burnt out because I haven't been taking my own advice because on Instagram I'll talk about looking after yourself and taking a break and everything but then when it comes to myself I think sometimes I can be like no you don't deserve a break mm. keep going <laughs> and then it just means it gets burnout so things that I really try and do is just kind of be really aware of what I'm saying yes to and what I'm saying no to and saying no to a lot of things so I say no to like nine not 90% a, a very high percent of things that I'm like asked to do just because I have I have a list of my priorities so I have a list of things I've committed to in my priorities and every time I'm asked to do something that's outside of that list of priorities I have to like calculate like how much of my time do I have now to look after myself in this time and on that list of priorities like looking after myself is put as higher priority as doing climate camp work or Mm -hmm. doing my uni work like I think that prioritizing looking after yourself as much as you would your like quote-unquote work is so important um and that means like taking time off my phone it means like sometimes like saying those things that might sound like they'll be really fun but also if that's going to take time away from being able to look after yourself you don't want to be like a burnt out heap I think taking time off my phone is something that I'm definitely trying to do a lot more of um just because my phone is where I do a lot of my work at the moment because a Mm -hmm. lot of my activism work that's even my non Instagram based work is all kind of media work and press work and so that means that I am constantly there's constantly work that could be done and there's constantly emails that could be replied to and so many different things and so I feel like for me turning off my phone is like a really good signal to myself to be like you're 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 off now like you've switched off you're having some time to look after yourself you're having some time to read a book or to sleep properly (laughs) or to just have some sacred time like in the mornings I don't turn if I if I don't have anything on in the morning then I don't turn my phone on until the, like the latest in the day that I can and that means that mornings are kind of kept sacred because I have an alarm clock that wakes me up by light instead of by sound as well so like I'm waking up a lot slower um and I'm not being hit by everything that's going on in the world so I feel like so often I find it bizarre now that we use phones as alarms because when you, if you go on your phone immediately in the morning, you're being hit by a lot of stuff, especially because now our phones are like our news outlets and everything as well. And Instagram, for me at least, Instagram is like a lot of social justice things and things. And before I used to wake up, sit on my phone and scroll for like, I don't know, 20 minutes or half an hour. Um, but that scrolling was meaning that I was being hit by, okay, so like this has happened in the refugee rights movement recently and this has happened in climate justice and Donald Trump said this and Boris Johnson's done that and it was like immediately as soon as you've woken up that's a lot to deal with and like Mm. mentally I think that that can definitely contribute to like you being burnt out before you've even started your day um so for me like I don't know that's been something that I've definitely tried to do a bit more is take some time away from that yeah that is definitely something I need to do more of especially when um the kind of in the early like first week of lockdown I think I was checking BBC news like before I went to bed and when I woke up as well Mm. to see what was going on and the same with the um Australia when the bushfires going on in Australia Mm. one night I was like checking my phone before bed reading the news and that night had such vivid dreams about Mm. like fires engulfing um my home oh my gosh that's a lot that's a lot (laughs) yeah so it's great advice and um one other thing as well is like a couple of years ago my grandmother gave me an alarm clock and I'm like why is she giving me this like does she not know I have a zero use for it (laughs) and it's like there's there's such a different mindset between generations Mm. no definitely like I think that I just do I do think it's so much healthier to be woken up by something that isn't also the thing that connects you to the entire world because there's such a temptation if you're woken up by your phone to then go on your phone and check your messages and like it means that as soon as you've woken up so you've just been sleeping which is meant to be like a restful time and you're being woken up to I now have to be available to everyone um and I think that any and before you go to bed as well like it must be really hard to switch your brain off if you've just been engaging with a lot of things like your phone connects you to so many different things um I've definitely found that I used to have so many more nightmares as well like when I used to go on my phone just before bed whereas now it's like I have some time to read and like switch my brain off a bit slower. Yeah, yeah, right. I definitely need to start doing that more. <laughs> <laughs> but also, I'm not perfect at this. I think one thing that used to really put me off from all this stuff is I'd see people on Instagram or 
YouTube or something and they'd be like wow you know I'm just this like spiritually awakened person who never goes on their phone I have ridiculous screen time like my screen time is out like it's through the roof but I just have like certain times that I don't go on my phone so I don't want people to listen to this and be like oh my gosh she never goes on her phone I'm on my phone all the time and it's really really bad I'm trying (laughs) and I'm trying to get off it but having some kind of boundaries has helped um yeah Yeah. I'm a work in progress yeah I know I feel so much pressure to have a perfect morning routine I'm like I'm not Mm. successful people have perfect morning routines I'm not (laughs) gonna be a successful person oh yeah all of those videos that are like how to wake up at five in the morning pun I can't do that like (laughs) I guess I'm not gonna be a successful person but I kind of need my sleep (laughs) yeah that is so true so while we're talking about being online kind of um and obviously a lot of your work is online at the moment and through your phone. Um, mm. How have you found that like activism has shifted in these times where we're obviously, we're all at home. We can't, you know, mm. we cannot go out and meet people with social distancing. How have you found that like online activism has um, been? So I think I found online activism surprisingly difficult despite the fact that most of my activism is online usually. So because all my work with the organizations that I work with as well, like all of its media and press work is usually online. It's more that my kind of component of work is usually done in parallel to someone who's organizing in-person actions. Mm. So I think I've learned a lot about, um, I've learned kind of almost how limited my own experience of activism is and like how limited like my understanding of organizing is because so like disabled activists and those different activists have been doing online activism for so much longer and online organizing for so much longer and especially in and in people who live in countries where um activism is a lot more dangerous like they've been having to do like a lot more covert kind of online more activism for so much longer than than i have and it's kind of made me take stock of like where i need to learn more and where i could develop my own organizing a lot more um, but also in the organization, at least the organizations I'm work- working with, like so Climate Camp was, is an organization that I've been working with a lot and they're so cool and I love them so much. But we've had to delay our camp for a year and that's been pretty sad. But also we're now just working out how to do online activism, and how we can still be impactful during this time. And a big part of that, I think, might sound a bit wishy-washy, but is just about like learning and thinking and like working stuff out and taking some time to be like, what is the world that we want to see after this and how can I learn more about that world and how can I be involved in creating that and I found webinars to be super super helpful on that there's been some really great ones with Angela Davis and Naomi Klein for the rising majority and Earth Day 2020 um had a live stream for two straight days which I think is saved as well as people can watch that there and I've been reading about loads of different social justice issues that I didn't I almost like felt like I didn't have the time to do all the like deep reading for it before mm. because I was like I've got to carry on organizing um so it's been it's been weird it's been hard to work out um in a, I kind of thought I'd find it a lot easier like I remember my media working group we'd all be like oh we're gonna we're just, this, nothing's really changed for us it's all gonna be fine but it's kind of the fact that everything's going on at the same time means that at least for climate activism I would say that right now we probably need to be focusing most on how can we support the groups that are being affected the most right now because especially when it comes to climate justice so if we want a world that is just and fair for all people a world that um protects marginalized people and those who are affected the most by socio-economic inequalities then we need to be supporting those people in times like this especially when things are more difficult so like right now climate activism might look like I don't know working with refugee rights organizations and helping people who've got asylum claims that have been delayed now or working in mutual aid groups or um working with loads of different organizations that just kind of need the support right now um and that might be online that might be like helping in person but I think I've just realized how sorry I'm kind of rambling now about COVID and (laughs) and (laughs) activism but it's made me realize how online activism is so essential and so important and we need to not devalue it and I think too often it's been devalued in like a really ableist way and been like touted as online activism as as armchair activism and not important and it is so important there are so many ways that we can do it but also this time is an opportunity to be like how can we look at how we've been doing activism for so long and how can we work out how we can do that that's more inclusive how can we work out how we can do that 
um, in a way that actually is in solidarity with groups rather than just saying it's in solidarity with groups. Mm. Um, and so these are all the different things that I've been thinking about. It's like been a bit of a, I don't know, a, a weird time, I think, for everyone, um, but especially around climate activism. I think a lot of us are like, how can we how can we talk about these issues without like pandering to eco-fascists and how can we talk about these issues um, while still actually supporting these groups that we say that we support so much um, and like how can we redistribute our resources during this time? Yeah, yeah, um, I think there's some really good points there and I think a lot of people that I've spoken to have kind of felt like they haven't really been able to talk about um, other issues because they don't want to pile on to the kind of the bad news and the things that we should feel anxious about because obviously it's it's really difficult mm. and uncertain time for a lot of people out there um mm. you know we've we've never been in this situation before um so mm. how do you think we can kind of still talk about these issues and still bring them up in these times without just adding to the overwhelming kind of the mm. overwhelming news yeah i think i think that comes with having some I know some grace in what we're saying and everything that we're saying I just, like even small disclaimers like when I've been writing captions recently or doing podcast episodes or anything I've been making sure to like just say to people that kind of activism is so important but also as a clause I understand that not everyone can do that right now mm. and if you don't need to read this right now then don't read it and if this is gonna make you feel worse right now then you don't have to engage with it but at the same time like working out how we can look at what's going on now and in a way that it's kind of hard to do in a way that doesn't overwhelm people but I think that also one thing is that people do kind of opt into reading things and opt out of reading things and so when it comes to writing things on social media like if people don't want to read it like they won't read it and they can just carry on scrolling but I do think that we shouldn't stop talking about these things but just make sure that the way that we're doing it we are giving people grace to be like I understand that not everyone's going to engage with this right now and for some people this might be too much right now and that's fine but also we do we can't we can't stop talking about these things because for example especially when it comes to activism um the police powers have been changed quite a lot um over this time and they will extend to beyond corona times um as the current like corona bill states and that means that basically activism is going to be suppressed for like the next however many years and that's quite scary and i don't think not enough people have been aware of that i don't want to make people feel more stressed out about everything that's going on but i also think that if you're someone who has a lot of privilege, like I recognize a lot of my privilege as well within all of this, um, we can't just stop now because what it will mean is that the people who are going to be most disadvantaged by all these different changes and everything that's going on, they'll just be left behind and they'll be left having to do the work because they need to do the work to survive. So it's, I think it's difficult. It's yeah, I, I'm finding this, this is something that I'm definitely working out a lot at the moment and thinking about a lot because sometimes I post something and I'm like is this is this too much will people is this a lot to put on people right now but then when I when I look at what's going on and I look at especially like families who are like genuinely struggling now and whose these the effects of what's going on now is going to affect them for so much longer it reminds me that we actually can't stop talking about these things um and we kind of can't we can't let I don't know we can't really let the government and other organizations get away with pushing through a lot of dodgy shit during this time mm. just because people aren't really up to thinking about it because there are actually a lot of people I know I know a lot of people who they might not be up to talking about corona stuff like I'm not that up to talking about public health measures and things like that right now but I'm happy to talk about climate justice so like I think some it, people are overwhelmed in different ways and oh gosh I wish I had the answer honestly <laughs> I, wish, I wish I had perfect answer for you I'm now just like rambling into loads of different things but um it's just I think it's it's tricky but I would say don't stop talking about things because mm. yeah yeah I mean there's you know that's quite a big question there's going to be no right answer for it um mm. so I was wondering what like myself and other people that might be listening to this podcast how we can best support you in the work you're doing like not just at these at this kind of current time but in the future mm. as well um, the thing that I'd always say is I think people think that climate activism is really scary and big and it's something that people can't get involved with because you don't you don't want to give all your time to it. And if all of us did like a little bit of the work, then it would be so much less work for everyone else. I think that the only reason that 
a lot of people are doing all the work is just because people people think that in order to be involved you have to do tons of work and I think the reality is that like we need people to do so many different types of activism I think people think that activism is just shouting on the streets or organizing a protest or something mm. but there's so many things that if you think about organizing an event and nor- an, not a climate activism event but just a normal event so many different things go into that and having and running a normal organization or business or something like so many different people are required who have completely different skills and different personalities and everything and all those people are required to like to be involved and if everyone takes up a little bit of that work then it makes it all a bit easier um so i would just say to people that now or whenever you're ready like whenever this time's over or i don't know if it's ever going to be over but whenever whenever you you're you feel like you can um then get involved with getting contact with your local climate justice organization or an activist organization that you live near and just offer like some of your time and just it doesn't have to be all of it it doesn't have to be everything but just offer like a bit of it and then when you're doing that work um just make sure that you're doing it listening to other people as well and I think that just listening all the time is something that I would say to most people is I think too often we're so quick to react to things and we haven't taken stock and taken time to just step back a bit and be like how like what why has what this person has said like hit me in this way emotionally like how can I process that how can I learn from that I just say like the main thing that I I think the main thing that would support most people doing climactism work is just to kind of take up a little bit of the burden a bit mm-hmm. um and it's okay maybe burden's not the best way to phrase it because I found that getting involved in climate activism has actually made me feel way less um like anxious around I have had way less eco-anxiety I felt like a lot better about things I found a lot of community um but I just feel like if all of us participate in some way and participation looks really different maybe it's being in the climate justice organization maybe it's um like just actually being aware of what's going on like participation comes is like kind of follows from awareness and yeah I think that stay aware of what's going on like really engage with things like really try and be a good ally to communities that you're not a part of um and try and get involved with a climate justice organization near you it doesn't have to be an ex doesn't have to be xr doesn't have to be one that you everyone's heard of it just could, could be one that's happened to be in your local area um and just take up like a little bit of that work um and that would be really fab Definitely. I think that example about running event and an event really kind of stood out then, like, because often at an event, you'll get someone that wants to be the front person and do the speaking. Mm. But there's often a ton of people that have gone, done the work behind the scenes, even if it's just like printing off flyers, that's been really helpful. So, so yeah, you can, yeah, you can probably find something that suits your, your personality and the kind of level of participation that you're comfortable with. Yeah, definitely. I think that's too often people think that you have to be the person at the front, but person at the front is is just what other people see. Like mm. so many people do so much more climate activism work than me, but they just don't shout about it. <laughs> like most of my friends do so much more work than me, but they just don't talk about it on Instagram and their their work just looks very different than my work does. Mm. Um and they have they like they're very introverted and they're just very different. I think there's too many too often we think that climate activism is just being on the streets, but it might be like working out how we will be able to fund a camp, like doing finance stuff. It might be working out like, I don't know, it might just be yeah, printing off flyers. It might just be designing the flyers. Like there are so many different steps that go into everything. Um, and there's so many small jobs that people could do, even if people feel like they can't invest all their time into it. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do you juggle your studying and your work around activism? And do you see, I mean, I'm presuming that you're going to pursue a career in medicine um, as you're studying yeah. medicine. Um, <laughs> but do you see um, that career path and your activism being interlinked in the future? Mm, no one's actually asked me this question. This is, I like this question. Um. <laughs> I so I can be quite bad at balancing my time when it comes to my degree versus activism but it's something I'm getting a lot better at and I think that it's just taken me realizing that both of them are linked in some way so this year I'm doing a global health policy degree and that's been really good because it's really shown me how medicine kind of can interlink with climate justice because I've managed to make basically all of my assignments be based on the climate crisis um <laughs> just in some way I've managed to like get the questions to work that way um but that's really helped me because I think for a while I was thinking like oh my gosh I really 
care about climate activism and this kind of thing, but I'm doing this degree in medicine and how does this work? And should I be doing this? What am I passionate about anymore? But doing this degree in global health policy has really kind of helped me realize that um, climate justice, like climate justice and climate crisis is like a health issue as much as it is mm. um, a social justice issue, as much as it is like an environmental health issue. Um, and like being someone in the medical profession who cares about this is going to be important as well, because um, and especially when it comes to I, I don't really know what I'm going to do later on. Like I do want to practice medicine in some way at some point um I do think I will practice medicine for a few years like at least after I um graduate and I would actually really like to be a doctor for the rest of my life but I also I think that we don't can't really know what we're going to do mm. but I do think there are ways you can balance it like I have loads of friends in um climate activist, activist organizations that I'm in who are doctors as well and they balance it really well and it's really good because like they're a voice in the medical space who also really cares about climate justice um I think that I don't want to put too many I know expectations on myself of what I'm going to do later on because right now I'm just trying to get through this degree <laughs> and graduate and be like actually make it to the point of being a doctor um but I do see that there's a way they can interconnect and they can link and they are really important and there are people that I see who are kind of doing activism who are doing activism and medicine so like um Rosanna Allen Khan is a MP and she's so cool she's the MP for Tooting um, she's a Labour MP and she's an A&E doctor and she's uh, on the shadow cabinet and she's just really cool and she's really like inspired me a lot to be like you can actually do activism and be a doctor you can do both and you can there are different seasons in your life for different things and it's really important that we have people who are in all different fields who care about all this stuff Um, so yeah I'm hoping to find a way to make it all work yeah yeah I think the idea that we choose a career path when we're 18 and we stick to that until our retirement age is Mm. is gone now I think yeah there's definitely plenty of opportunity um in our lifetimes to pivot and to try out new things and to pursue different paths yeah definitely um yeah and I think that's important as well like it'd be quite a boring life if you just did the same thing Mm. (laughs) your whole life um but also that's what that's one reason I chose medicine is that I feel like there are so many different things under medicine that you can do mm. that you can change and you can decide to do different things throughout your career um that it kind of gives space for that as well so yeah yeah so um what has been the most rewarding part for you on this like I'm going to call it a journey that you've been on <laughs> with um activism and tackling these issues hmm um I think this might sound really cliche, but like community has been probably the biggest thing. Like I've made really great pals from being involved in all this stuff and people who, and friends who like inspire me so much. I think I felt when I was doing all these different lifestyle things um, when I was at school, I think I felt really lonely and I didn't feel like I didn't have people who really cared about this stuff around me. And I didn't feel like I was being, I don't know. I don't think I was growing in like, my thoughts around system change and things like that when I didn't have people who were challenging me about it directly in front of me mm. um but in the last so that so in the last maybe three or four years like I've made so many different friends um who do really care about this stuff but also who've been who know a lot more than I do about all this stuff and they've kind of challenged me so much but also supported me um in my growth and like so like I've made friends like my friend Joe who I run my podcast with the Yikes podcast um and it's been really great to have someone who I can talk to about all this different stuff and who's on the same page and we challenge each other. I think that's been honestly the biggest thing that's come out of all of this is like community and chat and just being able to challenge each other and support each other. And I think that's like the, for me, the thing I love the most about activism generally. Mm. Yeah, definitely. That's such a nice part to come out of it. So if our listeners could take one thing away from this podcast and act on it, what should it be? listen a lot to a lot of different people I I feel like I could tell you to go and do all these different things but I think that the most important thing that we can all do before we do everything is to like listen to people who we are very different to and listen to people's experiences and especially if they make you uncomfortable then listen mm. um because I think that's where we we create change when we have to be when we're being like brushed up a bit and when we're having to be challenged so I just say listen to people who especially marginalized people who don't who might not be the same as you yeah cool thank you no worries
And finally, the um, question that I ask all my guests to finish off, because obviously talking about a lot of these topics um, can feel quite negative sometimes, is what have you seen or read recently that has left you feeling positive and uplifted about the future? Um, So I was reading a like a report and article because I'm writing an essay on climate change and human rights, which I thought would be a really drab, not drab, but like a, a very sad topic. That would make me feel come out of it feeling a lot worse but in it it was talking about um the need for for participation in the climate debate and also in like solutions um and that gave me a lot of hope because it shows that if we all actually like actively participate in society and in all these different things then we can be the ones framing change and we can be the ones framing society um and i thought there was like a lot of i don't know it gave me a lot of hope to think like all it takes is us participating we just need to actually participate and that's not that's not a huge ask of people just to just to be involved in their own like decision making mm-hmm. um and I don't know that just that just reading around participation makes me feel a lot more hopeful about things yeah great so like you said before yeah like taking taking on something in one of these groups that you've talked about mm. well yeah just but even not even just taking it on like I think what this was actually what I was reading about it was just saying that when people are aware of the information Mm. then they're more likely to um to act differently because they they're on their understanding like what how policy is being framed and how the world is being framed and so it's not even like they have their it's not even like they're joining an organization it's just more just that the participation is just being aware of things mm. I didn't think about how much awareness would really like affect like how the world's kind of shaped um, and that might be a bit of a niche thing to have found really positive recently. <laughs> but it made me just, I, just, I think it just made me realise that I think sometimes these issues can seem so big and so like we can't touch them and like nothing's going to change. But actually, if we just like have awareness and if we actually just like, I don't know, take some time to be aware of what's going on in decision making, then we can actually just have a bigger impact. And that made me feel a lot more positive about things. Yeah. Good. Well, Michaela, thank you so much for your time today. I've really enjoyed listening to everything you have to say. Thank you so much for having me. Um, yeah, it's been really nice to chat. I feel like I might have rambled a lot. I'm a bit of a rambler, but <laughs> but I enjoyed it. So I hope people enjoyed it too. No, I think there was a lot of good stuff in there and I enjoyed listening to you. So if people want to hear more of your ramblings and find out more about you, where can they find you? Um, I'm on Instagram at Michaela Loach and I have my own podcast which is called The Yikes Podcast which is on Spotify and Apple and all those places um, so those are the best places to find my stuff Amazing, thank you so much cool. Thank you very much Thank you so much for listening I hope you enjoyed the episode In the spirit of this episode if there is anyone you think I should get on the podcast please drop me an email at hello at agneslondon.com I'll be back next Wednesday with another guest, so be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out. You can find out more about Agnes London by following us on Instagram at agneslondonldn or checking out our website www.agneslondon.com. See you next week.